Okay, Nahum chapter number one. Let's read a verse number one. The burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum the Elkishite. God is jealous, and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and who reserveth wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry, and drieth up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth, and Carmel, and the flower of Lebanon languisheth. The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. But with an overrunning flood, he will make an utter end of the place thereof, and darkness shall pursue his enemies. What do you imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise the second time. For while they be folded together as thorns, and while they are drunken as drunkards, they shall be devoured as stubble fully dry. There is one come out of thee that imagineth evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. Thus saith the Lord, though they be quiet and likewise many, yet thus shall they be cut down when he shall pass through. Though I have afflicted thee, I will afflict thee no more. For now will I break his yoke from off thee, and will burst thy bonds in sunder. And the Lord hath given a commandment concerning thee, that no more of thy name be sown. Out of the house of thy gods will I cut off the graven image, and the molten image I will make thy grave, for thou art vile. Behold, upon the mountains, the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publishes peace. O Judah, keep thy solemn feasts, perform thy vows, for the wicked shall no more pass through thee. He is utterly cut off. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the privilege. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness to us. Pray that you would give us exactly what we need, dear God. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Just for sake of context, it's important that we, we understand what is transpiring here and, and what this book is about. Uh, Nahum is a prophet from God. God has uh, told Nahum uh, to write this, and this is specifically to two groups of people. It's to the Ninevites, and then it's also to the kingdom of Judah. The Ninevites... Uh, We want to backtrack 150 years, and that is where Jonah has preached to them repentance. And the Bible tells us that the Ninevites, in sackcloth and ashes, they repented. I mean, Jonah told them, destruction's coming, God's going to destroy you. And they repented in sackcloth and ashes, and God had mercy on them. But fast forward 150 years, and it's a people that knows not God anymore. They have no idea who He is. And so one of the roles that name has been given is he's coming to tell them, look, it's over. But I submit to you this, that God had shown himself so long-suffering and merciful to the Ninevites. And so you have the, the, the city of Nineveh, which is the capital of Assyria. And the king of Assyria was Sennacherib. Okay, And again, let's, well, I want you to understand that. 
that, that Nahum's coming to speak to the Ninevites. He's bringing them some, some troubling news, if you will. Well, the reason it affects the kingdom of Judah is because about 20 to 24 years prior uh, to Nahum coming and doing this and bringing this news, you see that Hezekiah was the new king of Judah. And Hezekiah said, we are not, we're not going to have these idols here anymore in Jerusalem. There were some false idols, pagan idols. He took those down. He said, we are no longer going to give tribute to Sennacherib. And so he, he shut that off. He cut that down. Well, King Sennacherib, he says, you know, well, that's not going to work. And so he gathers his troops, his armies, and they go into Judah. Now understand this, they go into Judah and they capture about every city except for Jerusalem itself. And they lay siege to Jerusalem and God says, no, you will not take Jerusalem. But Sennacherib was able to come in and capture the people of God, the children of God. And he persecuted them for 20 to 24 years. For 20 to 24 years, the people of God faced terrible persecution from him. Look, if you will, at Nahum chapter 3, verse number 19, and it says here, There is no healing of thy bruise, thy wound is grievous. And the prophet is saying to the the children of Judah, the children of God, the people of God, your wound is grievous. And all that hear the brood of thee shall clap the hands over thee, for upon whom hath hath not thy wickedness passed continually. And so the Scripture is teaching us here this, that the children of Judah were persecuted greatly by a very evil man, Sennacherib. Go back with me, if you will, to verse number 2. The title of the message is this, What a God He Is. And if you give it a second title, it would be this, The Lord is is good. The Lord is good. The Ninevites had completely forgotten about who God was. So part of the role that Nahum has is to explain to them, Jehovah, it's time. Jehovah is going to avenge you. Jehovah is going to take His judgment out on you. And he had to tell them who God was. He had to explain to the Ninevites because this is 150 years ago when they had repented and and sackcloth and ashes. And now they had gone so wayward away. But the Bible tells us in verse number 2, it says this, God is jealous and the Lord revengeth. He's explaining who God is. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on His adversaries. And these are the characteristics, the qualities of God. He's explaining who God is. And he reserveth wrath for his enemies. Look at this. The Lord is slow to anger. And so God's long-suffering for the Ninevites was a moment of trouble for the people of God. God was being very long-suffering with the Ninevites. With those that had turned their backs on him, he waited 150 years. So in this 150 years that God is being long-suffering with the lost, the people of God are suffering. And he says, the Lord, verse 3, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, 
and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are the dust of his feet. Look at who God is. He rebuketh the sea and maketh it dry, and drieth up all the rivers. Bashan languisheth, and Carmel and the flower of Lebanon languishes. The mountains quake at him. This is who God is. The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt at God's presence. And the earth is burned at his presence, yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. And so this kind of reminds us, and Matthew Henry's commentary brought this out, and I liked it, because as Nahum is coming here, he's bringing doom and gloom to the Ninevites. But the other side, it's like that cloud. Remember that cloud in the wilderness? How on one side it was a darkness to the Egyptians, The other side was the light to the people of God. How on the one side it was doomed for the Egyptians, but on the other side it was a great delight to the children of God because God was protecting them. And so Nahum has two responsibilities here. He is saying God, he's saying who God is. And he's talking about who God is to the lost. But rest assured, God's word makes no mistakes. There are no coincidences. And look, if you will, right after Nahum says who God is and who God is to the lost and the fact that He is long-suffering to the lost. And folks, it's the long-suffering of God to the lost that is causing the people of God still to face some things. They're persecuted. And I submit to you tonight that the goodness of God for the lost is what's keeping us here today still. And the Bible says, and they needed to hear this, the children of God, the children, the Ju- children of Judah, they had faced evil persecution from Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, not one year, not one month, not one week, over 20 years, an evil man took it out upon them. And folks, don't you think they began to wonder, Is the Lord good? Where's God? You've witnessed to people before, and I believe this. I believe that the thing that Satan attacks, maybe not as great as anything, but he certainly puts it up there at the top, is the goodness of God. How many times have you tried to witness to somebody and what they've said is this, if God was a God of love, why would he allow this? If God was so good, why would He allow this? But folks, I submit to you this. That does not just happen with the lost. Satan causes us oftentimes as Christians to question the justice of God, the goodness of God in our lives. I remember sitting with a relative of mine in Oklahoma at a gas station, and she commenced to tell me her story. And she told me of a childhood that I had known this person for years and had no idea what they had been through as a child. Folks, things happen in life. And it'll cause you to question the goodness of God to you in your life. You can lose a job, and all of a sudden, is the Lord good? You can lose a child. And all of a sudden, 
is the Lord good? You can see an injustice, and all of a sudden, is the Lord good? Is He really good? The Lord is good all the time. He's always good. He is always just. The Word of God tells us in Psalm 100, verse 5, For the Lord is good. Psalm 135, verse 3, Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Psalm 145, verse 9, The Lord is good to all. He is good to all. His goodness to the lost is His long-suffering patience with them. But He's good to all. Jeremiah 33, verse 11, The voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good. And I sat there as this relative of mine shared her heart and what she had been through. And I said to myself, How can God be good when He allows these things to happen? And that person shook it off. And in her heart, in her life, Realize the Lord is good no matter what. And is serving the Lord today still. We will never be who God wants us to be until we realize in our heart, no matter what has happened to you, no matter what you've been through, no matter what someone's done to you, the Lord is good. He is good. He's good when the test results are good. He's good when the test results are not good. He's good when you've got a job. He's good when you don't have a job. The Lord's always good. He's good to us. He is so good. He's only wished good for me and you. He's always been good. Always. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him. Psalms 34.8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Folks, when you get that, when you taste in your heart that the Lord is good, you'll never be the same. Because now all of a sudden, He's not a God that's against you or a God that, well, now listen, hear me here, hear me. Or a God that, well, He blessed them, and, but He just missed the mark with me a little bit. He just, maybe he was preoccupied with something the day he let me go through that. No, the Lord is always good. He's always good, and we've got to get that. He is always good. The Lord is good. But here's the second point. The Lord is good. And remember, Nahum's given this to the children of Judah. They needed it. 20 to 24 years of persecution. That man was evil. And they went through it. And so God's... And I love this. God is sending them comfort. He's reminding them of who He is and how good He is to them. They must have needed it. But point number two, I believe, must be seen as well. And that's this. The Lord is good a stronghold in the day of trouble. Folks, we cannot question the goodness of God. He is just. He is faithful. He is good. But we live a life here, 
And in our lives, we are going to face trouble. And there's going to be trouble. The Bible says in Galatians 6 verse 17, there can be trouble that is caused by someone else against us. See where we're going with this. Trouble can be in our life. By the way, the the word trouble is found in the Word of God 110 times. Let me read just a few. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. Psalm 107, verse 26, that was Job 14, 1. Psalm 107, 26. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. 2 Corinthians 1, 8. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. That's trouble. Psalm 3, verse 1, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom and his son. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me, and I submit to you tonight this truth, that as the Lord is good, we must understand that, because trouble is coming. We're either going in it, we're in it, or we're coming out of it, but trouble's coming for the life of the believer. And, and, and as God is long suffering with the lost, and when that last soul is saved, we're out of here. And by the way, God is long suffering with the lost. It's the mercy of God that He doesn't consume everyone right now that's lost. With the abortions that are taking place in America today and, and the lack and love of God. And I was even in Kiev and they're doing the gay parade thing there. And guess who's sponsoring it? It's America. Folks, I tell you this. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, but we've strayed from that. And it is the mercy of God. It's just the mercy of God. The long-suffering of God that holds back the wrath of God upon them. But as He does that, He has left us here to be a light for Him. And guess what? As we live, trouble is coming. Trouble that others would place upon us. Trouble that we would cause upon ourselves. And then just look at the world. It's cursed. Trouble is everywhere. The the Word of God says that the earth groans because of the sin that's fallen upon mankind because of the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. We live in a cursed world. It's trouble is what it is. Look, if you will, let's go to 2 Chronicles. Give you a chance to use your Bible here. 2 Chronicles 15, verse 4. Trouble is everywhere, folks. It is. It's, we can't be surprised. Second Chronicles 15, verse number 4 says this. Second Chronicles 15, 4. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought Him, look at this, He was found of them. And I love, I love how we see in the Word of God that the Lord is good. There is trouble that is upon us. But the Bible says very clearly in Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. Folks, the blessing of it is, is this. No matter what trouble you're facing, whether it's self-inflicted, 
Whether it's just because of the curse on this earth or whether it's because someone else has put it upon you. And I'm talking about sickness. There's many things that you could categorize trouble as. A matter of fact, I, I looked up the word trouble in the dictionary. Anguish, adversity, distress, affliction, tribulation. You know what, if I was to ask you tonight, if you face that, every one of us would absolutely have to raise our hand. You've had trouble. We have had trouble. And it's coming. We live in a sin-cursed world. It's coming. But we have a stronghold. The Bible says in Psalm 9, verse 13, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, consider my trouble, which I suffer of them that hate me. Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death. Psalm 27, 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Psalm 32, verse number 7. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Psalm 37, verse 39. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And God is a refuge and a strength for us in the times of trouble. So no matter what we face, God is the stronghold for us. God is the rock. God is the strength. He is the one that we can run to. He will not turn us back. I love Psalm 86, verse 7. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer. Have you ever been frustrated when you sent that text to someone in the time of trouble and you don't get that answer? You've picked up that phone and you've called them and they're not answering, they're not responding. Oh, woe is me, what am I going to do? Go to God. That's who we have to run to is God. Folks, listen, no one will understand you like God. No one will meet your need like God. And God blesses us and gives us good churches and gives us good friendships and, and gives us a lot of connections and contacts and all that. But the Bible says we go to Him. Psalm 108, verse 12, Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. When God helps you, And He is your strength. He's your stronghold. It's all you need. It's everything you need. Let me take you to the book of Ruth real quick. Let's look at the book of Ruth. Got it in my notes. God help me to find it here. Ruth 2, verse number 12. I love this. I love this. We're going to the last point here. I think I'm doing pretty good on time. Ruth 2. Remember that the Lord is good. A stronghold. A strong stronghold. In the day of trouble. 
Ruth 2 verse 12 says this, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. That's a process, isn't it? It's a process. It's life. It's learning that God is good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble. And the Bible says, And he knoweth them that trust in him. I find this interesting that trouble's found 110 times in the Word of God. Trust is found 134 times. I love that. I love that. The Bible says in Job 13, 15, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. I want to read Ruth 2, 12 again. Let's go back to Nahum chapter 1. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee. I love this verse of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. You know what? Listen, you could have a friend, uh, a Christian, that is, I mean, you consider to be the greatest Christian out there. And you've watched their life, and you've seen them serve the Lord, and you've seen them follow the Lord. But God wants to teach us personally the lesson ourselves that that person can't give us. You've got to experience it yourself. And the Bible says at the end of verse 12, under whose wings thou art come, whose wings have we come to trust? Is it the almighty dollar? Is it the Lord? Under whose wings thou art come to trust. You know what that means? That person learned it. They learned it. God is for you. God, the amazing God that we have, perfect, just, good, loving, but you personally have got to learn the lesson that you can trust Him. Under whose wings, God's wings, thou has come to trust. When you see that, you rest. When trouble comes, you rest. Because you've learned, God, it's going to be okay. God's right here. I've learned this lesson. He's been on time every time. When I trusted Him, He didn't fail. The Bible says at the end of verse number 7, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knoweth them that trust in Him. Folks, you can pull the wool over a lot of people's eyes, but you can't pull it over God's. And God here is saying, so interesting how God's Word says this. God knows. It says, Nahum is trying to encourage the the children of Judah there, the kingdom of Judah, and he's saying, I know, I just told you who God is, and He's a God of wrath, but He's been long-suffering in this. But the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble for you, children of God. But, children of Judah, 
He knoweth who putteth their trust in Him. He knows where our trust is placed. Is it in our own abilities, our own talents, our own success? Or is our trust in Him and Him alone? You know, God works. God works when we're dependent on Him working. And we're trusting Him to work. And we know nothing's going to happen unless He does work. And He knoweth them that puts their trust in Him. God knows where our trust is today. In our times of trouble, is He our stronghold? Is He our rock? Is He our everything? Is He our refuge? Folks, when you have that in your heart and that peace and confidence in your God, you can face the things that God's going to have you go through. Trouble's coming. And you might be in it now. You might have just come out of it. But trouble's going to be there. Is the Lord your stronghold? He knows. He knows. And I'm going to tell you this, folks. Putting confidence in the flesh will fail you. The only way we don't fail is when God is our everything and we are resting in Him as our rock and our strength. Verses 9 tells about how the wrath is coming out on... Matter of fact, Nineveh was burned and it went to the ground. And God, God declares this is the prophecy that's coming to Nineveh. And folks, Nineveh was the mega city of that time. Assyria... It was, it was the big dog, if you will. And God took that thing down, and He took it down hard. He said it was coming. Nineveh was burnt to the ground, and, and, and history teaches us in a year or two, the Mecca city, the mega city, the country of Syria, it doesn't even exist today, folks. You have a hard time even finding it, because God took it down. But look at what he says here in verse number 15. And that's from 9 to 14. God is telling the children of Judah, verse 13, For now will I break his yoke from off thee. There's an application here, folks. We can't miss this. For now will I break his yoke from off thee and will burst thy bonds in sunder. And the Lord hath given a commandment concerning thee that no more of thy name be sown. Out of the house of thy gods will I cut off the graven image and the molten image. I will make thy grave for thou art vile. And God speaks through Nahum, against, now listen, against the Ninevites, against the Assyrians. But he tells the people of God, that yoke that you've been under 20 years plus will be broken. Look at you well, verse 15. Behold, upon the mountains, the feet of him that bringeth good tidings. Nahum's comforting them. He's saying, Encur- be encouraged. Rejoice because this trouble is ending. This persecution will end. This yoke will be broken from your neck, children of God. Says verse 15 
The feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publishes peace. O Judah, keep thy solemn feast, perform thy vows, for the wicked shall no more pass through thee. He is utterly cut off. And so Nahum was telling the children of Judah, rejoice. That yoke will be broken off of you. You will be free one day from the lives that you live under the persecution of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. And folks, turn with me, if you will, to the book of Revelation. Revelation 20. And the uh, the application's here. It's here. Just because it's talking about the messengers coming out of the mountains, giving them the good news that soon all would be over. All would be well. They would be free. And I submit to you tonight that the Word of God tells us as well, one day, one day our troubles will be over in this world. One day it will end. Our our bondage will be broken of living in a sin-cursed world. And one day, Revelation 20, verse number 10 says this, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And the Word of God tells us in Revelation 20, Rejoice. Be of good cheer. One day, all of this will be over. The long-suffering of God will end when that last soul is saved. Persevere. Keep God as your stronghold in the day of trouble. He knoweth them that trust in Him. And rejoice. Because one day, and I, folks, we don't know when it's going to be. But one day, that yoke of bondage will be broken. We will not live in a sin-cursed world. And the Bible says Satan's going to have his due. Folks, my challenge tonight is this. Let's go, go to, I don't know how we're doing on time. 1 Corinthians 15. Let me just show you one last portion of Scripture. He said if I went too long, I wasn't getting supper, so I'm trying to be mindful of this. I'm just kidding. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 50. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Folks, I hope you get these truths tonight. Now this I say, 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, Always abounding in the work of the Lord. 
For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And Nahum 1 verse number 7 says this, The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Folks, no matter what's happened to you, at some point you've got to let it go. You've got to give it to God. You'll never be free. You'll never be happy. The Lord is good. A stronghold. He's the rock. If you, if you have not experienced that, you are missing such a wonderful life with the Lord. A stronghold for you personally in the day of trouble. And He knoweth them that trust in Him. Folks, time's short. I believe that. You know, I'm not one to, tonight to preach it's tomorrow. I, it could be. But I know He wants us victorious. I know He wants us to be victorious in things in our life that maybe we've just been bitter about. And our heart said, you're not just. You haven't been just. Yes, He's good. And He is that stronghold. And He knows. He knows you. And if you're putting your trust in Him. Trust placed in Him is trust that is well invested, if you will. God loves you. And He's for you. Let's pray. God, I thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your goodness to us. God, I thank You for who You are. What a God You are. You are good. And You are just. You have proven Yourself time and time again that You are our strength. I have no idea how You've spoken to hearts, but God, if someone has been spoken to, you've touched their heart by the Holy Spirit. I pray that they'll respond to you, dear God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor. Thank you for being in the services today with us at Riverside Baptist Church. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, we certainly would like to help you with that. You can get more information at our website at rbcstjoe.com or call here at the church. If you're a believer and God has spoken to your heart, I hope you'll take time to turn aside and let Him have His way in your life. If we can help in any way, shape, or form, please feel free to contact us. We look forward to ministering to you again.